Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome into this Tuesday edition of the Lombardi Line on VSEN and DraftKings Network alongside the former NFL general manager, Michael Lombardi, out at his office on the East Coast. I'm Stormy Bonatoni, live from downtown Las Vegas at Circa Resort and Casino. Appreciate y'all hanging out with us today, and we'll have Aaron Moore join us uh, as well in just a little bit, about a half an hour from here, talk some college football, some marquee games that are coming up. I wonder if we can trust the trendy dog in Penn State taking on Ohio State, but where we're going to start today's hour is with Monday Night Football last night as the Dallas Cowboys are able, Michael, to rebound. They get it done. They beat the Chargers 20-17, to and Justin Herbert, he had an opportunity late to put on the Superman cape and win this thing and it did not come to fruition takes a sack and throws an interception that you can't throw yeah can't throw that you know it's a killer you know and and offensively they couldn't get it going you know they moved the ball to start the second half they give up points at the end of the first half and when you break this team down I mean look they have not been good in close games under Staley. I mean, it's just a fact. You can argue with his decisions to go for it on fourth down. Hell, they've got two wins. They've lost three. They're lucky to have won. They are really lucky to have won the Viking game. I mean, Cousins throws the interception in the end zone. They've had the ball against Miami with a chance to win. Couldn't do it. Ball had a chance in overtime against Tennessee. Couldn't do it. Had a chance last night to tie the game. Couldn't do it. I mean, they don't win close games. Staley doesn't win games, and when you break it down, it's a real issue. Some of it relates to their defense. I mean, for all the money they've put in their defense, and over the last five years, I think they've spent more money than any team. They're at least in the top five. Let's put it that way. And the numbers don't translate. They're 28th in points allowed, 29th in yards allowed, and 29th in expected points allowed. I mean, and they've hired a defensive coach. What does that tell you? Yeah, I was going to say you have one of the most, if not the most expensive defenses in the league with, you know, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa and Derwin James, and you have a defensive-minded head coach, yet you're never in the top five of any of those categories. And to start this year, you're in the bottom of the league, far bottom of the league in all those categories. And you talk about the close games under Staley. Chargers 6-9 and nine in games decided by three points or less, and they showed that graphic on the post-game show yesterday for Monday night. 
in a, like across the NFL, the most losses by three points or less since the start of last season. The Broncos have the most with eight, but the Chargers are right there with six, including all three of their losses this year. And of course, the disastrous loss in the playoffs last season to Jacksonville, uh, like which I, I feel like for whatever reason, that playoff loss has flown under the radar, despite it being just yeah. an unacceptable second half of football. Could you imagine if Mike McCarthy would have lost that game? Could you imagine the heat he would? McCarthy's got a Super Bowl in his in, in his house. Nobody gives him any respect whatsoever as a coach. They think he's simple, dumb, you know, all that, right? He gets zero. Staley? Oh, no, don't touch him. Is he it goes for it on fourth day. Not allowed to say a word. You're not allowed to say a word about him. He goes for it on fourth down. That's all we need to do. You just need to go for it on fourth down, and you get put into another category. Like, seriously. So I was going mean, to ask, Staley's is it because of that? Is it because of that or is it because of where they play in L.A. and being like the fifth rung no, team in I the mean, totem pole? We have people at our network think he's the best coach in the league. What are we talking about? I mean, we have people, the, the analytical community thinks he's brilliant. They think Kellen Moore's brilliant. Play caller. Oh, my God. Do you see that play call, Kellen Moore? Oh, my God. That was incredible. <laughs> it was incredible. You know, last night, McCarthy outgained some five point, you know, seven points uh, seven yards per pass play to 5.8 I, I mean like it's seriously like if Mike McCarthy would have blown the playoff game everybody would be screaming for his head Staley nobody says a word nobody says a word it's okay he goes for it on fourth down that's what we need we need more people that go for it on fourth down stupidly but we're going for it on fourth down meanwhile nobody peels back the layer on how bad they are on defense and, and he's a defensive specialist he's a defensive specialist and their numbers are are horrible defensively, you know. And when they play in close games, okay, you know they're not going to win them. And and Herbert to me is really a generational talent, but he's not a generational producer. He hasn't mm-hmm. been able to win close games. It's either him or maybe the coach. You decide. Well, and after you just pay Justin Herbert what you paid him this offseason, he's not going anywhere. So then it raises the question of, okay, what does the future look like if this season continues to tumble? Because they're two and three right now, Michael, and have to go into a game against Kansas City with their backs against the wall coming up here this week. Yeah, and but look, one thing about the Chargers against Kansas City, this is a line that you kind of like, right? It's five and a half right now. It probably will get to five. The Chargers... Are and they play them well. They're one and one against them. Herbert's Herbert's had 15 touchdowns against the Chiefs in six games. He averages eight yards per attempt. He's had 107 three quarterback rating. Now this is a better Charger. This is a better defense in Kansas City than in the past. But offensively, they're not going to run away from anybody. They're they're not explosive on offense. They're man. They're a defensive team that is still effective offensively. And they will be against the Chargers. But this is a game that 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 it's at five and a half, especially a divisional game. It just seems too mm-hmm. heavy. You know, my numbers for this game comes out to six point two seven as the as the breakdown from the model. However, that being said, there's no way that these the way these two teams play, it should be. It's gonna be a three point game one yeah. side or the other. 
they do play close games. We know that uh, as well. But but Michael, I wonder what the Chiefs could have learned from watching this this past night's game against the Cowboys and what they were able to do pressuring Justin Herbert because you saw even certain instances where it looked like phantom pressure. He was just kind of feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. They generated 18 pressures on him. It was the most he's faced this season, had 50% completions in those instances, including the final two dropbacks that we just talked about a little bit ago with him taking the sack from my, Micah Parsons and then throwing the pick to Stefan Diggs. And on the day, despite me still not understanding whether or not the injured finger to his non-throwing hand could impact the way that he was throwing the football, but I mean, the inaccuracy, the way that he was missing guys just felt very off as well. So maybe another area where Kansas City could take advantage. Look, we've said this a lot about the Chargers over recent years. When you take Mike Williams out of their offense, they really suffer. And they drafted Quinton Williams from TCU because they agree with that theory. They agree with it wholeheartedly. And yet we never saw Quinton Wo- Johnson, Johnson make a yeah. play. Quinton Johnston, I'm sorry. We never saw him make a play in the game. So that's a concern, you know. And the Chiefs' corners are playing really well. The Chiefs can match up to this team in the se- defensively, you know. But I, Herbert can make enough plays. They go in there. But without Mike Williams, it always seems to be a harder game for the Chargers offensively. And then when you look at Saylor, their guard, and you look at Zion Johnson, their other guard, you know, you're talking about a really good player in Chris Jones who's playing at a high, high level. And without and the center will clap that those are going to be the three inside guys that are going to be the problem. And that was the problem last night as well. Yeah, and I I know that there are a lot of fantasy owners who are really disappointed in Austin Eckler's performance as well. His first game back, obviously, from week one, suffering that injury, but I mean, unable to run the football, was not utilized the way that you anticipated him to be, but he just didn't do anything when he had the ball either. Right, but look, how many years have you complained about Kellen Moore and Zeke Elliott not getting the ball in the passing game? Think about that now. I mean, that's all I complained about the whole time in Dallas was the inability to bring Zeke into the passing game. They fire Lombardi, Joe Lombardi, no relation. They fired Joe, right? Well, Joe was with Kamara, and he's with Sean Payton. He's back with him in New Orleans. That's one of the offenses that does a great, great job of utilizing the running back in more than just a screen passing game. You say, well, they used Pollard there last year. To a degree, but Pollard was making long runs in that long pass plays off of catches. It's never been part of his offense, and I think you saw that last night. Eckler's too good to not get him the ball in space. It's like when the Raiders don't put Josh Jacobs in the game in the two-minute at the end of the game, he's their best receiver out of the backfield. He's one of their best playmakers. You can't be so substitutionally based personnel-wise to not utilize that. No question. Uh, no disagreeing with you there. Uh, again, it is the Chargers that have the Chiefs this coming week. The um, the Cowboys will be on a bye, much needed, I think. Good for them to get that win after the loss that they had against San Francisco. Get a little confidence, get some juju back, being 4-2 and two and 3-3, three and three, as Dak Prescott said in his postgame availability. Feels very, very different. I was also looking through this article, Michael, and um, anybody who hasn't seen it yet, make sure you go to vcin.com, check out the, the column that Michael put together kind of about the Chargers but then at the end of it, you also put in some of your biggest takeaways and conclusions that better should be aware of through this six week point. And maybe we can revisit some of these on the, on the back of the break as well. But I love that you kind of just broke down certain teams and what you think about them in saying the Patriots aren't going to dig themselves out of a hole. 
fade the no. Colts. The Texans are good. The NFC South is not. And don't be scared to lay the number with Miami against bad teams. Like all very, very interesting, solid takeaways, I think, from you early this year. Yeah, I don't think you should be scared of Miami because Miami doesn't have a four-minute offense. Miami has an offense, and their offensive line is not good. If they went, if they took their offensive line and tried to run Atlanta's scheme or tried to run in New England's scheme, Tua wouldn't make it past three games. It's very challenging. They set the horizontally, and the ball comes out of the quarterback's hands so quickly. So, you know, they have to keep trying to score, and that's why they're so effective. They're not trying to run it up. They're just playing offense. And so when you see a line that you say, well, that's a little too much, I don't think it is. I really don't. I mean, they'll beat bad teams, especially defensive teams that don't understand how to play them. Now, they're not going to beat them 70 to 20, (laughs) but whenever they play against a good defense, they're going to keep scoring. Yeah, but that was a great point this past week against the Carolina Panthers, where even though they were down 14 nothing, you still fully anticipated them to come back no problem. They end up winning and covering that spread. I know this coming week they have the Eagles, but then if you look ahead to the week after, it's the New England Patriots who have a lot of injuries to that defense. So maybe another yeah. opportunity, depending on what that number is. Um, we have to take a, a quick timeout here, but we will return. So much more to come on the Lombardi line on VEASAN and DraftKings Network. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. We're back here on the Lombardi line with all four major sports in action. There's no better time of year to be a sports better. And with our new sports Equinox special, there's no better time to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber as well. Sign up now and get full VEASAN Pro access to everything we do through May 1st for only 120 bucks. Includes daily best bets, unlimited access to our betting splits, plus all our exclusive betting content for the Major League Baseball playoffs, college football, the rest of this NFL season, March Madness, the NBA and NHL seasons, as well as the NFL. 
NFL Draft. What an offer. You won't want to miss it. Only available for a limited time. Visit vcin.com slash subscribe to sign up now. And we were just talking through some of, Michael, your big takeaways through six weeks of this NFL season, one of which being not to be afraid of laying the points with the Miami Dolphins if they're a big favorite against a bad team. And not this week because they have to play the Philadelphia Eagles, but next week they do take on the New England Patriots who have struggled mightily, just one in five here to start this season. Two of their three most recent losses, two of the worst of Bill Belichick's career. And that's another one of your takeaways here is that the Pats are not going to dig themselves out of this hole you feel. It's going to be challenging. I mean, they keep getting guys hurt. They've had they've had more combinations in their offensive line than any team in the National Football League. So it's hard to get better at an area where you're hurting when you have problems in that area. And then they've got injuries, whether it's Hunter Henry, Trent Brown, guys are counting on. The quarterback doesn't play well. Look, the, since they beat Buffalo in that win game, 2021, but it hasn't been close. I mean, Buffalo's been able to dominate them. And we know this, most of the time, I think almost 70% of the time, I haven't run the numbers again, but but Josh Allen wins games by more than eight by seven points when he does win. So it's surprising that this line's ticking back towards New England. And what I was trying to caution betters on is just don't use the logic, okay, well, Belichick will get this fixed. He's a great coach. It's hard to fix this problem. Same thing with Vrabel. He doesn't have Tannehill. Don't expect him to fix this with Malik Wilson, Willis, especially if they're not healthy on defense. And that really becomes the issue. And that's what I wanted to caution people of is because I think there's some – some issues that are going on that are just not beyond they are beyond the quarterback, not playing well. And a lot of them have to do with the injury. Yeah. And we won't get into it now, but something that we have talked about a lot on this program is what the future of Bill Belichick might be and how this season is straining potentially that relationship with Robert Kraft, but still a whole lot of season here to go. The Patriots getting nine points at home in that game against the bills, total 41 and a half. You also in your takeaways and in these in much more detail on vcin.com available right now in, in Michael's latest column, say fade the Colts. <laughs> and yeah. speaking of quarterback injuries, Anthony Richards, it appears, according to Jim Mersey and what he shared with the SPN, likely done for the remainder of the season, which means the team is in Gardner Minshew's hands moving forward. Yeah, that and that's concerns me, right? And and look, when you when Gardner Minshew comes off the bench, okay, you know he comes in there, completes some passes, does a nice job. When you know that you're going to play Gardner Minshew, and you know you've got to pack the middle of the field, you got to pressure him inside out, you got to make him play small because he's not a big man. And you got to force him to highlight the receiving element. It's challenging. All of a sudden, all the warts in their offensive system start to show up. So I think, to me, this is going to be a hard. Now, they're not good enough on defense to just take control of the game. I mean, the Jaguars opened the game up, went straight down the field. They were able to dominate that game from the beginning. And like I said, it's 14-3. to And the next thing you know, the Colts are driving. And they they do a great adjustment to Minshew, pressure him inside, throws an interception. They go in a half time down 21 to three. Every time the Colts were trying to get back into the game, they couldn't quite do it. This is kind of off kilter, but are you surprised that Anthony Richardson is the rookie quarterback that ends up having the early season injury? I feel like no. everyone coming into the year was saying that Bryce Young doesn't have the body type. He's destined to get injured. And I mean, he's taken some hits behind that offensive line. Don't get me wrong, but that Anthony Richardson, given the way he plays, ends up being the one that goes out. 
I think Anthony Richardson needed a redshirt year. He's going to get it now. You know, he should have played another year at Florida. The money's too great. He came out. So now that redshirt year in Florida is taking place in Indianapolis. He's got to get his body. He's 21 years old. He's got to get his body ready for the rigors. It's hard to do it. You know, Bryce Young can get rid of the football quickly. Look, I think Bryce Young is going to be really good. I think all this all this nonsense about him not being a good pit player, look, they're going to end up giving up a lot for Bryce Young. Wait till you see what they end up giving up for Bryce Young. They're going to end up giving up two number ones. So it could be, it could be, they could be giving up Drake May. They could be giving up DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, they overpaid because they were so desperate to get in this. And now when you pay the Piper, because you remember, every pick becomes a player. And you and I both agreed this summer, we thought Carolina could be a good team. I think David Tepper, their owner, thought Carolina could be a good team. Look, we were close last year. We're getting a quarterback. I know he's a rookie, but he's got experience. And to be 0-6, soon to be headed to play C.J. Stroud and the Texans coming off the bye, I don't think they anticipated picking in the top five. Mm. I think they thought they would send that pick to Chicago and it would be pick 17, pick 18, pick 19. Now it could be pick one. Yeah, and that was very much so something that we were talking about this offseason, that we believed that Carolina would be able to put it together. They had some talent on defense. They have this coaching staff that's going to be so great. Josh McCown is going to be amazing for Bryce Young. And 0-6 and, and not looking a lot brighter, a, a very necessary buy, I think, for them this week before they have that rookie-on-rookie rookie showdown week eight where Bryce Young is going to go head-to-head with C.J. Stroud on the other end and also an opportunity to implement some changes offensively. What did you make of the report with Frank Reich um, saying that he's going to go ahead and hand over those play-calling duties to their offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown? Does that? I know we mentioned it briefly yesterday, but does that move the needle for you at all with this Panthers offense? I, I don't think it does. I mean, everybody thinks it will because nobody understands the inner workings of an NFL, how you put together. I mean, look, the game plan's the game plan. So everybody spends all day Tuesday, Monday afternoon and Tuesday, going into a room, watching tape, coming up with their ideas. But their ideas are all based on the playbook. Hey, this looks good against them. This looks good against them. If we did this and this against them, based on our concepts, the playbook's Frank Wright's playbook. There are his <laughs> plays, right? So just because Thomas Brown's going to come in and call them doesn't mean they're going to change what they do. They're not going to change what they do. You know, they're, they're going to do what Frank wants to do based on the playbook that they hired Frank for. And so, you know, it, 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 to me, we've made so much about that. Oh, he's going to change it. No, he's not. He, he doesn't have that authority to change the offense. He can't change the offense. <laughs> now, maybe it'll be a different voice in the Bryce Young's yeah. ear, but it's going to be the same thing. They're not going to be able to pass protect. Look, the reason they're so bad in the run game is exactly what happened in Indianapolis. Once he fired the line coach at Indianapolis after his first year, their run game went to hell. It just, it just, that's because he's in shotgun all the time. He doesn't want to have a, no, there's no diversity in the run game. It's the same thing that's happened in New England. There's no diversity in the run game. You can't really run the ball out of spread formation all the time. You fake the handle. Why do you think everything's so bad in the red zone now? Why do you think teams are so bad in the red zone now? It's because everybody's copying the plays of, of what people have been running for the last four years. Spread runs, this, that. It's, the defense is caught up to it. 
hard to be much worse in the red zone than it was this past week. It was brutal. And, and we saw that reflected in the game totals going under to 13 and two to the under in the NFL for week six, which is wild. And OK, so we talk about the Panthers and their struggles. The one point that you made about the new voice in Bryce Young's ear, I, I do at least hope that that'll be a positive thing here. And also Frank Reich just having a little something off of his plate. He's still going to be involved, but just different from that standpoint, being more of a head coach. But it's not just the Panthers. All of the NFC South is is just bad. It appears um, we talked yesterday about the Bucks, at least most likely being the best of that bunch. But that was another one of your takeaways. They're bad. Meanwhile, the Houston Texans, who the Panthers play next after the bye, have been good. And we see D'Amico Ryans and his head coach, coach of the year number going down. It was 16 to one not too long ago. Now it's nine to one with them continuing to win games and exceed expectations. Is he a name that you think could be worth targeting right now? But Dan Campbell, oh, I jump all over Dan Campbell I mean, is the favorite comp- though. And he, he's been yeah, doing pretty I, I well get this that. season. But I mean, you know, to me, Campbell's teams, but I mean, he deserves it. I think really, I think Aaron Glenn deserves a lot of credit here too, for what he's done with the defense. But look, to take a team that couldn't win games last year and turn it around and have a better culture and a, get a quarterback, you got to give him credit. There's no question. Yeah, Dan Campbell, we see plus 250 right now, a favorite for head coach of the year. Mike McDaniel, plus 275. 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan, plus 850. And then D'Amico Ryan sitting right there. And what a joy it has been to watch C.J. Stroud start this season. It's the, the, the last handful of games, seeing him kind of come into his own has been really, really cool. And he is up there for offensive rookie of the year for a reason. And it's just it goes back to, and I know we're always going to compare the rookie classes and all these guys coming in at the same time. But Bryce Young was because of all the reasons we were discussing about the Panthers reason for optimism this season. I loved Bryce Young for offensive rookie of the year in the preseason. And it has been all things CJ Stroud and rightfully so. Yeah, no question. He deserves it. There's no question. No question. He is, is the better one. We're going to take a timeout here, but when we come back, turn our attention to college football. VEASAN's own Aaron Moore is going to help us break down this weekend's slate as well as some of the big picture talk and if teams are starting to separate themselves as the best in football. We will see. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code VEGAS when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Welcome back into the Lombardi line. He's Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. Time to get our college football filled by welcoming in great friend of the show, VEASAN contributor Aaron Moore, who joins us this time every Tuesday, sports media professor at Pub Relation Prof on X. And in addition to all the great work you do with college football, and we're going to break down in a moment, also contributing to the college basketball guide. We saw the first AP poll come out the other day. You're doing it all right now, Aaron. It's that time of year, Stormy, where I think just as sports fans, like we have so much to look at all the, the baseball playoffs and then as handicappers, too, that you can't just rely on having one sport and then uh, not prepare for the next one. So even though a lot of us are betting college football, we're talking college football, college basketball is right around the corner and you have to begin your handicapping with that. And I think uh, the bees and viewers that are able to get the college basketball betting guide are going to see a lot of information 
information on all the teams in the country. And even though right now it's college football season, it's a little bit cold. If you're a better, you also have to start thinking about college basketball. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. And, uh, you know, the early slate in college hoops kind of gives you an idea about the teams where they need to go and the level of comp and where they're going to end up becoming. I want to start off with a game that I was surprised the line. And is this because of Joe Milton? Alabama, which struggled to finish off Arkansas last week, made the game much closer than it should have been. They open up as a nine and a half point favorite. Now it's down to eight and a half. Is that kind of where you see the game? Absolutely, Michael. I think this uh, one of the stories we're not talking about, if it's all the Georgia talk, all the Michigan talk, is Alabama is right there, and Alabama is primed to move forward. And I think that's one of the teams. It's, it's almost uh, it's oxymoronic to say it that Alabama could be a surprise team. <laughs> and I think they yeah. are right there. And Jalen Milrow is playing the way Saban wants him to play. I don't think this is going to be the wide open offense. Throw it to pick whoever, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Smith, just chuck it down the field. This is not that Alabama team. This is going to be a much more conservative team. And I think the way Saban has him right now, and whatever what's going on with Tennessee and Milton, is Alabama is in a very good spot. And it's, it's, Interesting to say they're in a good spot and we're not talking about them, but I do think you're going to hear them in the conversation more that now with Georgia, without Brock Bowers for a while, how does that set up for the rest of the SEC season, SEC championship? I think you really need to start looking at Alabama now and what can happen the next four or five weeks for them. Yeah, good note there on Brock Bowers. Reminder, the Georgia All-American tight end had tightrope surgery on his ankle. Most people remember Tua Tungavailoa as one of those players at Alabama trying to speed up the recovery. So we'll see when he's going to be available later on in the year, but not available right now. And for Alabama, it's like they lose week two and everybody's counting them out. But ever since they had the quarterback debacle trying to figure things out against USF, every single week we've seen steady improvement from this Crimson Tide team. The marquee game, however, of the week, weekend no question Penn State Ohio State and I think a lot of people are going to see that plus four on Penn State and probably be very attracted by it but I also have my personal concerns and I do like Penn State I'm one of the people that's very tempted by that four but I also know the records of James Franklin as a head coach against top five opponents against Ohio State that make me very uncomfortable Aaron so help talk me through it so Stormy, I think just as we're talking about betting and we want winners and lose or we want winners, obviously we want to avoid losers. I think you got to give a ton of credit to the bookmakers for this four line right here, this minus four for Ohio State. I had it, like a lot of people, about minus six. And then what you have are these injuries with Ohio State. Abuka's injured. Denzel Burke, they're on their fourth running back. So there's a lot of injuries. Penn State is playing well. So you can see why that six, maybe six and a half, starts to get chipped away to minus four. At this point, you can make a case for both sides. And from a bookmaker standpoint, it really is impressive. Now, if we talk about James Franklin, and to maybe give you a little boost here, Stormy, he's 13-0 and against the spread in his last 13 games. That's pretty impressive. Now, those aren't against top five teams that he's playing. So you have to put that into context. I think this game, from a betting standpoint, from just being a football fan, 
there are so many variables going into it. And you see it as really these two great teams coming together now and playing. And as we're talking about what's going to happen in the Big Ten. Well, now here's the first step. You got Penn State, Ohio State, and then you're going to have Penn State play Michigan. And then you're going to have Ohio State play Penn State. And then you're going to have the Michigan-Ohio State game at the end of the year. So this is like a good first step. All of that together, though, with all these injuries to Ohio State, I still think the home field advantage in this situation, the depth Ohio State has, even though they are very injured going into this game, I still think that's going to work in their favor. So last week I asked you, Aaron, about why USC was a dog to Notre Dame. And I got my answer really quickly, (laughs) right? I got it. You know, I got it. Now I know. And I think Lincoln Riley is the Mike D'Antoni of the uh, of college football. You know, no offense, no toughness. He may get mad. He may have to yell at me like uh, Ryan Day yelled at Lou Holtz. But he's playing a tough team in Utah. I know the quarterbacking situation, Cam Rising hasn't played. But they're a six-point. I mean, everybody just thinks they're going to bounce back. But Utah has physically always been out more, has tough out-tough them. And Michael, let's go even deeper than Mike D'Antoni. He, how about Doug Moe? All right, let's call Lincoln Riley the Doug Moe. There Mo you go. Here. I like it. All the crazy offense, but what does he win in the end? And in this case, I really do like Utah. I think what's going to happen is what you saw with USC, that now there is some tape on how to keep Caleb Williams into the pocket. Last week against Notre Dame, under 200 yards, three interceptions, that he wasn't that magical Heisman playmaker. Now you have Kyle Whittingham going against him again, and they played twice last year. And the interesting part of these games last year were both of them were in the 40s. They were shootouts. Cam Rising was trying to go punch for punch with Caleb Williams, and Utah came ahead in those two games because Utah had the offense. This year, much different. Bryce and Barnes are going to have a backup quarterback going against Caleb Williams. So I don't think you're going to see a game anywhere played in the 40s. It's going to be a tougher game, fewer possessions. And in that case, I really do like Utah to cover that seven-point spread because you have Whittingham, you have the defense, and I think there has to be a certain amount of air that is out of the USC balloon. They lose last week to Notre Dame. That doesn't impact them in the Pac-12, but that certainly impacts them in the college football layout and what is moving forward. I think it's just the, the USC that we thought they were, as you were saying, Michael, they really aren't that, that team. You can manage that offense. And if there's a better coach to slow USC down and to hopefully, from a betting perspective, keep USC in check, it's Kyle Whittingham. He's got the defense, and he knows how to play high-scoring games as well as low-scoring games. And we've known for a while that USC was vulnerable with that defense, right? And so Caleb Williams, because of that, largely has to play perfect to kind of overcome the defense. And when he doesn't play perfect, it's a recipe for disaster like we saw against Notre Dame. But I was just glad, Aaron, that we could finally cross off USC because we knew week in and week out that they're a team that struggles and they're not a college football playoff type of a team. But we had to leave them there because they're undefeated and they have a Heisman Trophy candidate. But I'm just glad that we could finally get them off the list. How have you been breaking down, you know, college football playoff implications and these big games? Obviously, Washington getting the big game last week. 
Well, I look at it, Stormy, in an interesting standpoint that we're basically in that midway point of the season. You have to talk about, in this case, USC, because of their wins. You had to talk about them, but it really is at this point, I'm not focused too much on the records of teams. You're going to have to look at what comes in the next two or three weeks, in the next four weeks. And it really is a good example with what I was talking about earlier in the Big Ten. You're going to have Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State start playing this round robin with each other. There's going to be a winner come out of it. There's going to be a couple losers. That's going to impact it. So even though those teams are all 6-0 and right now, it's not going to be that way at the end of the season. And I think we're starting to see that with the Pac-12, that there's starting to be this cannibalization of the Big 12, or excuse me, the Pac-12, that you know these teams aren't all going to be there in the end. So if you're looking at it from a future standpoint right now, you have to look two or three weeks down the line. And to circle back of what I said earlier, that's why it's interesting. Alabama, we counted them out a few weeks ago, but if you look at their season and where their season's going, there is a good track for them to move forward to the college football playoff. Oh, such a fun time of year. Aaron, you're awesome. Yes. Thanks for doing this as always. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Good luck to you guys. Don't work too hard. Always love chatting with our guy, Aaron Moore at pub relation prof on X. Make sure you give him a follow, but appreciate his insight. And yeah, I, I keep looking at Oregon and Washington because I mean, you know, I'm West coast girl. I like looking at the Pac-12 yeah. specifically, but I could see that potentially being a rematch in the Pac-12 title game. And then maybe yep. who wins that game goes to the college football playoff. There's still so much interesting stuff to come. We got to take a break. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. 
before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way vcin's here to make you a more informed better year-round. You can check out those betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Thanks for hanging out with us, wrapping things up here on this Tuesday edition of the Lombardi Line alongside former NFL GM Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bon and Tony with you. It's time for our pro tip of the hour. We do one of these every single day. Every show at the network does as well. And after a good conversation with Aaron Moore talking college football, Michael raised an interesting point that I think is just important to hammer home with some people. We shouldn't be ruling out one loss teams at this point in the season to make the college football playoff because there are a ton of games left for all those undefeated you see atop the AP poll right now and the best numbers are on teams that have a loss right now including as you pointed out the Alabama Crimson Tide yeah no question and and, you know the the one thing we know about college football there's a lot of parity right and so there's a lot of good teams some teams stub their toe early look at Texas gets beat by Oklahoma you know they now Mm -hmm. Oklahoma's a good team I mean I think you can rule out USC in terms of how they lost, because I mean, look, they got to play UCLA, and UCLA is really good defensively. That'll be a challenge. So there's some I think you can, but this thing's so wide open. I don't know if you can rule out the one loss teams. Yeah, let's not include USC in that conversation. They're, not all one yeah, loss teams are created equal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But to your point, like Texas sitting there plus 240 to make the college football playoff, Alabama four to one, Oregon, who just lost a field goal game to Washington five to one. And that's one like I think it's very reasonable to believe that Oregon and Washington could still end up on a collision course to play each other in the Pac-12 championship game. And whoever is the winner of that game, maybe that ends up being the more important of the win in the committee's mind. So if Oregon wins that, they could be in position just food for thought. I think where we sit at only week seven in the college football season that there's still, you know, potential bets to be made based on what we're seeing in the schedules ahead for some of these teams. So VEASAN pro tips available at VEASAN.com. You can search them by sport and by show. If you want tips specifically from our show and Michael, that's how you can do it. We still have a few more injuries. I want to make sure that we are passing along as we get set for this coming week in the NFL, Michael and the Detroit Lions, who we've talked about a lot lately as actually being a potential contender this year in the NFC, which is so crazy to think about given the history we know about this Detroit Lions team. They've been really, really fun to watch, really good. They're coming off a win. But in that win, they lost their clear-cut number one running back in David Montgomery. Dan Dan Campbell saying in his press conference that he's expected to miss some time, quote, a little bit with a rib cartilage uh, injury. He doesn't know how long it'll be, but at his position, they want to be careful with it. The good news is it appears Jameer Gibbs is looking better, feeling better ahead of this Sunday's game against the Ravens. But David Montgomery, a big loss. Yeah, huge loss for them. He's played really well. And, you know, this about a couple weeks ago, Early in the season, I said that they really either need to get Marvin Jones back to where he was years ago, which I don't think they can, or they need to get a receiver. And they found that guy. Jamison Williams comes in. He's only played a little bit. He's got four catches, almost 14 yards a catch. But he gives them a big boost. He really does. And I think that's helped their receiving core. But they're going to need to get that running back going. They're going to need to get replace 
the 94 carries that Montgomery's had for them so far this year and the six touchdowns. It's interesting. Montgomery's got six touchdowns. Williams, who had, what, 17 touchdowns for the Lions last year, now he went to the Saints. He doesn't even have a touchdown rushing. So it's kind of maybe it's just the Lions offensive line can block and score for the running back, right? Yeah. Montgomery, uh, six touchdowns coming off a pair of 100-yard games prior to the injury. In addition to Gibbs, the other reserve backs would be Craig Reynolds and Divine Azigbo. So you are certainly hoping that Javier Gibbs is available against this Ravens team. Yeah, I, I think they need him, right? But look, I'll, I'll say this. The Ravens are a unique team defensively. The, the, the sum of the parts are better than their individual players. This will be a challenge to slow down this offense. And I think we got to stop the nonsense that Detroit doesn't play well outside. Yeah. They do. Uh, you know, and this defensive front for New Orleans will be very good. Uh, whether they have the speed, it's going to be interesting to see. Do they have the speed defensively? You know, especially at the linebacker. They're playing Jack Campbell quite a bit. Alex Azzaloni, the kid they got from New Orleans. They've got more speed inside. This defensive front's really good. You're going to need that when you play in Baltimore. I think it'll be a really a good game. Again, I'm worried about Detroit. If they can't run the ball and play the way they need to play on the road in Baltimore, you don't want this to be a 40-pass game. You really don't. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to be forced to be one-dimensional once again. But that said, Michael, let's say yeah. they are in this situation down the stretch where they're missing Montgomery a little bit. They are struggling to run the ball, but the pass game is really effective because of the way that Jared Goff is leading things. Is now the time to potentially get ourselves a Jared Goff MVP ticket sitting 20 to one? Could we, could we, could that make, could we go there? Look, here's the reality about this Lions team. And I keep writing about it, talking about they've scored a hundred points in the first half. Okay. Well, 99, they've only allowed 40. So they play from in front. And when Goff plays from in front, he's really good. He's really mm-hmm. good. And I think he's going to continue to get good as Jamison Williams comes along and they play some teams. I mean, this is a really good team. Look, do I, I think Goff's in the perfect system at the perfect time for him in his career. But at 20 to 1, why not take a flyer on him? And, why not? And I mean, very under you know, the radar on a 5 and 1 team. I mean, if they go into Baltimore, let me say this. If they beat Baltimore in Baltimore and Goff plays well, that 20 to 1 ticket's going to go down to 15. I think we just found ourselves a little something to throw into Why Not Wednesday tomorrow and discuss a little bit more at length, but I love it. Uh, while we're talking about running back issues, though, with the Lions, similar situation there with the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay didn't have specific mm. timelines for injuries, but Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers, the initial prognosis, quote, looks like it's going to be challenging for those guys in the immediate future. So that's not good for L.A. No. And how many people do you think are going to be taking the Steelers and the three on the road with Tomlin coming off a bye? Huh? Have you turned that ticket in yet, Miss Stormy? <laughs> I haven't walked down to the counter just yet, Michael, but I have been considering it. So you're reading my language. Oh, no, I know that's on your <laughs> that's on your list of things to do. There's everybody's going to be all over the Steelers. I can't imagine that line stays at three. Get it while you can. I mean, look, the Rams they, they, they ran the ball in the second half. Williams was sensational in that second half against the Cardinals. They wore him down. They scored 20 points. They didn't punt in the second half. You know, Matthew Stafford's still playing really well. Their offensive line is finally back again. You got Jackson at left tackle. Nope, Bloom's been hurt at right guard, but they kind of have some continuity. And with Cup uh, uh, in there, they got the ball to Atwell last week. 
Look, I can't tell you who they play on defense, right? I mean, it's kind of a mess defensively, but they still have the great Aaron Donald, and he still makes plays, and they rally to the football. I think Raheem Morris has done a great job coaching. Also potential for the Steelers, by the way, to get Deontay Johnson back this week in that wide receiver room, which would be a good boost for them. And of course, their quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Uh, While we're on the Rams, though, this last minute, I don't know if you've seen anything with the stuff with Darion Kendrick, their corner who got arrested. I saw that. Like, I don't know what happened there, but he's a guy that's been starting too. that now Sean McVay says they're still gathering information. No update as of right now. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be on the roster while they're gathering the information. So, you know, that's that I think it was a weapons charge he got against them. So that's not good. And, you know, look, this Ram team. The, you know, the, when they've played against good teams, you know, and I'm not saying Cincinnati was a good team, but they struggle against good fronts. They struggle against teams that can rush the passer. I think they're going to have a hard time with Watt. I think they're going to have a hard time with Witherspoon. I think this is a tough matchup. I know everybody hates Pittsburgh's offense. They've had the bye week, mm-hmm. right? Tomlin's usually pretty good at figuring out how to fix his problems. I'd be shocked if Pittsburgh didn't play well against the Rams this week. Yeah, so that, that's been my thing, Michael, because I, you know I've been liking the Rams. They have been so much better out the gates than I anticipated them being this season. But you have that Mike Tomlin off the bye, having time to strategize. Now you throw in these running back injuries for L.A., another off-the-field issue that L.A. is focusing on, yada, yada, yada. I feel like a lot of things might be coming up uh uh, black yeah. and gold here for for your girl Stormy. But I haven't, like I said, I have not gotten to the counter just yet, but that three is attractive. It hasn't moved. It hasn't moved yet. It's, and there's a ton of money coming in on the ra- coming in on the Rams still. You know, one thing about this betting market that I've learned is last week's perception carries well too far into next week. Yeah, it's the recency bias. We can't yep. we can't help ourselves, I feel like, as betters. And uh, and I think that's a, another example for even what we saw this past week with the Dallas Cowboys. You saw them get blown out against the San Francisco 49ers. Everybody is doubting them like crazy. The number comes down to, to one and a half because people are betting the Chargers and Dallas ends up getting the job done, do what they need to do. All right, that's a wrap, Michael. Fun show as always, buddy. Thank you, Stormy. See you tomorrow. Yep, same time, same place tomorrow. Make sure you join us here on the Lombardi Line on VEASAN and DraftKings Network. If you are watching on DK, Pablo Torre is coming up next. As for VEASAN, it's the Sharp Money crew. You won't want to miss it. Keep it locked here all day long, folks. See you tomorrow. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.